1: Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. I am beyond excited to finally tackle the topic of CBD on this podcast. Are you even a little cannabis curious? The more I explore the discussions around CBD, cannabis, and medical marijuana, the more I'm actually intrigued. Autism, anxiety, ADHD, insomnia, PTSD, seizures, pain relief, Parkinson's, aging, gut health, sex drive... All seeing the use of CBD as treatments for patients of all ages. It's a little confusing, it's a bit scary, and it's an adjustment that I think many of us are thinking of making. But there are some amazing experts available to actually be able to hold our hands a little and walk us down the proper, educated, and researched path. Joining me today from New York City is Dr. Mary Clifton, an internal medicine doctor with over 20 years in both hospital and private practice. A published author, national speaker, recognized CBD and cannabis expert. Expert and has the incredible website cbd and cbdandcannabisinfo.com. The website is almost like an encyclopedia of wealth, which talks about everything you can possibly think of when it comes to this topic. She is the science and research editor for the can- for Cannabis Magazine and the medical director for Live Well Naturally. Plus, she even has ways to be able to cook with CBD as well, so get ready for a cookbook that's on its way out. I met Mary back in January in New York City. We were both sitting next to each other en route to an event, and she pulled out her purse and she offered me a gummy. This was my introduction to this incredibly dynamic, passionate, and brilliant doctor. Mary, it's so great to be able to see you and so great to be able to talk to you. Do you even remember us sitting next to each other and you offering me a gummy? I'm like a total, complete stranger (laughs) is offering me a gummy.
0: I was having a lot of fun at that event, sharing my gummies.
1: (laughs) It was brilliant, but I I loved it because I actually asked the question, you know, it was just, it was my first introduction to being able to see and hold and, and have access to these different products. So, and, and you were so lighthearted and so, you know, I think you were so passionate about it and wanting people to understand and try that it was pretty neat.
0: I think it's so great to lead with a gift to give and then and then watch people's response to giving to them just to start right out of the gate with I have a present for you. <laughs> you <know?
1: laughs> it's, it's
0: a really nice way to start a relationship.
1: So uh, I'm really looking forward to this relationship. I'm looking forward to the information that you have to share with our listeners today. And even right off the top, I'm thinking because I'm talking. To you here in Canada and you're in New York, our discussion, our dialogue is actually still a little bit different just based on the legalization that we have here in Canada to be able to open up this topic a little bit more.
0: Yes. I mean, I'm a medical doctor, so a lot of times when people ask me what's going to happen with the legalities and when do you think it's going to become recreationally uh, available across the country, I don't know. You know, I, I'm much more interested in, in upcoming research in the literature on additional data on insomnia and autism. That's an interesting new topic, ADHD. So I'm following the research, but not necessarily following what's going on in government. That just seems to churn and churn. <laughs> and it's not very interesting to me.
1: <laughs> no, what is interesting to me, though, is, is not even the, the, the wording of recreational, but to understand the medical aspect of Absolutely. certain certain aspects of our health that are seeing the benefits of the use of the CBD. And for people to understand the difference between what exactly CBD is versus like the THC, there's a lot of, we hear all of these kind of words <laughs> that we don't quite yeah. understand or use of letters that we don't quite understand.
0: Absolutely. I mean, your body, the thing to know is that your body already has an endocannabinoid system that's in place to help manage trauma and stress and inflammation and help restore homeostasis. So for example, in knees that have rheumatoid arthritis, you'll find higher levels of the endocannabinoid system, uh, endocannabinoids, uh, primarily anandamide and 2-AG. And in places where there's chronic inflammation, you'll also see Higher numbers of CB receptors. So the body works automatically with the number of receptors in an area and the amount of endocannabinoids in an area to try to reduce pain and reduce inflammation for you all over your system, but also in your brain and spinal cord and the central nervous system to uh, help you to reduce stress. There's ways to manage pain and stress all the way through the ascending pathways as pain travels up the spinal cord very richly across the cortex of the brain and other areas of the brain and then back down the spinal cord too. So there's a lot of places where uh, the cannabinoids can have a really great impact to help to control your conditions.
1: When you're referring to the cannabinoids, if I'm saying that right, you said a lot of different words that I'm trying to be able to pronounce them properly. When you're referring to that, what are you, is that what we're referring to when we say like a CBD Versus what are right. we referring to when you say a THC? Because like so, those are massive differences.
0: Right. Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, the cannabinoids are available from three different sources. You have the endocannabinoids that are already present in your body, that your body makes from the fats in your diet, the uh, 2-AG and anandamide. And then there's the phytocannabinoids that are come from plants, phytocannabinoid, and those are up to 80, uh, they think now almost 100 have been identified. There's CBD, because you hear about it a lot, most people have heard that, and THC, we know that cannabinoid because that's the one that has the psychoactive effect, it's the one that gets you high. And then there's a whole bunch of other ones that are being looked at all over the world by scientists to try to find out what their special value is to healing. CBN, CBC, CBG are some of the leaders. And uh, in in the future, we'll see some additional distillations where instead of just getting CBD or getting a CBD and THC ratio, you'll be able to get other cannabinoids that are going to help with different healing processes in different ways.
1: This is an interesting topic for someone who's coming from internal medicine. Yeah. Can I ask? I mean, there's got to be a reason or there's, there's usually a factor as to why with the studies that you had done and the work that you were doing in your practices that you actually evolved into being so educated and doing so much research on this topic.
0: Well, I love to study innovative things and disruptive things, and uh, and within medicine, it's uh, it was very exciting a few years ago to discover vegan diet and dietary modification and how that can help people get better. I worked in vegan diet for eight or nine years, and uh, but my dad always switched gears every every 10 years or so so i was getting a little tired of thinking about vegan diet and wanting to think about something else and then right as that was happening my brother died i lost my older brother to colon cancer And I have to say, in one of the worst deaths I've really uh, been able to witness, over witnessing many deaths for many years as an internist, I mean, I take care of old people. And and then right on the heels of that, a girlfriend of mine also died from recurrent ovarian cancer in a very calm death. And I thought, I, it can't be that the cannabinoids have that big of an effect. I'm sure this is just a, 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 a one-up. I'll do some research and put it behind me. But then when I started to do the research, I realized how much research there is and how much nobody knows. We just keep hearing that there's not enough data, but there's loads of data. So, I, so it's my job to bring that data to people so they can make great decisions.
1: When did the research then start to have that much research to be able to create a website that is pretty much the foundation of any research information that you're looking for that has to do with any ailment, any aspect of our health?
0: Well, I use PubMed, so I can go back fifty years. So I am quoting some studies as late as as old as the 70s, but and also some really humorous quotes from uh, there was one quote I found from the 1920s from an English doctor who suggested that if you have headache, you should manage that by drawing the uh, cannabinoids in a smoke through water. <laughs> And then after you use that, you can fall back. Uh, You can get back to work. And uh, my question was: you know, what is the patient doing for work exactly? (laughs) So there's, all, there's been data going back 5,000 years on Egyptians and, uh, and Chinese medicine where they're using uh, cannabinoids for managing abdominal pain and, and stress. But, uh, but there's all kinds of much more recent data, uh, tons of work being done out of Israel, some interesting Italian studies, and some population-based data out of Britain and the U.S. So there's, a, there's quite a bit of data that you can pull
1: together. Is it going and having the effort and and taking the effort to go and research or is it first getting over the stigma of actually wanting to take it or thinking that this is going to be something that's going to help you? I still think we battle the stigma of it for so long. You know, I I remember my my parents, you know, you don't do you don't do this stuff. And so it's, it's, it's hard to be able to switch gears and and switch our thinking.
0: Well, there was a lot of pressure from the government that you would develop reefer madness, that you'd have basically an acute psychotic episode and, uh, and lose your mind if you used it. Or you could uh, dumb yourself down and become a pothead from using too much of it. Um, all of that has been shown to just be a lot of hype. But that was very powerful hype in the 70s and 80s and it, it with, a, with a, a very powerful prohibition. But, uh, but all of those things, you know, the, the research, especially on intelligence, is very interesting. There was initially a British study that suggested a six-point drop in IQ when people use uh, cannabinoids in their uh, early adulthood, young adulthood. But a New Zealand study showed actually no effect. And then a subsequent U.S. study that included uh, a a surprisingly large number of discordant identical twins where one identical twin is using cannabis and the other one isn't. Those are very powerful twin pairs to study, and there was no effect in the U.S. study, which was large and, uh, and comprehensive. So a lot of these things
1: that we used to think we were going to see with people using cannabinoids have turned out to just not be the case. How are people consuming them? Because I want, to, I want people to envision how it is that they're going to be taking it or consuming it as we go through some of the different health aspects and ailments that we could be seeing. Is it, uh, right? It's not like we're technically smoking it. You know, we're not sitting in a room smoking joints all the time.
0: Oh I mean I think some people would prefer to smoke or just use a use a what we now call flour or whole bud where you're um, uh, grinding that into more of a powder and rolling that or using that in a pipe. Uh, there is some, You know, people within the scientific community that uh, believe that the entourage effect, the effect of the entire plant, is probably more important than just taking the CBD or THC or whatever combination, whatever distillation you you, want to take. But it's available in vapes in uh, in these whole bud uh, products that you can use in a pipe or, or as a cigarette. Um, and there's also tinctures that you can uh, take a dropper full or a half a dropper full and hold it in your mouth. And the on, the onset of action can be nice and short. The problem with all these modes of administration, especially when you're starting out, is to make sure you choose a mode of administration with a, with a more rapid onset. People tend to have pretty negative uh, outcomes and, or negative experiences when they start with an edible because the edibles have an onset of action 60 to 90 minutes out and then at that point you may have taken too much or you may have thought it wasn't going to work and taken more and now you've got too much on board. So the edibles are a bit tricky and hard to control. So they, my best advice is if you're starting out to really try to choose a product that has a more rapid onset of action so you can know what's happening to you when you take it and take more if you need it or avoid taking too much.
1: So let's break down a couple, if you don't mind, because I listed right off the top of uh, of the podcast just a number of things that I have seen and, and researched and, and been amazed at how it's actually helping people. And so when you talk about, you know, anxiety, insomnia, PTSD, uh, I know with Parkinson's, we have seizures and epilepsy. How? How is this? You know, can we break down some of them as to how you see and why we're seeing improvements in health with these aspects?
0: Well, you know, one of my favorite studies is, is an insomnia study that's out of Canada. It was a study that looked at a population in a, a prison that housed uh, prisoners who were also mentally ill, the criminally insane. And as you can imagine, these people have considerable mental issues, but they also have a lot of trauma that they're dealing with. They have terribly disrupted sleep and a lot of nightmares. Most of these patients were having five nightmares a week and only sleeping on average every night five hours. What I love about this study is that you really, the data is perfect. You can't lie because the patients are closely monitored, so they know how many hours the patient slept, and they know how many nightmares they had. So they started these patients on cannabinoids and found A remarkable improvement, an extra two hours of sleep every night where they went from five hours to seven hours and they reduced their nightmare frequency from five times a week to just one time a week. So uh, enough so that the researchers suggested that all kinds of other psychiatric medications that were being used on these patients and probably contributing to their own problems where one drug affects another drug, they're, they're getting ready to reduce a lot of their other medications just a, a remarkable outcome for a group of people who have very severe disease. So you can imagine how effective it is for somebody who has, you know, just a, a mild sleep issue when they're busy at work.
1: Right. So I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, so how do I take yeah. that study and look at the comparison from someone who is dealing, you know, with a lack of sleep, uh, trouble shutting their system down, trouble being able to get into a, a calm enough state that they, that they can sleep for a longer periods of time. So when we think of insomnia, they would be taking it how? And they would be taking it when?
0: Oh, I see what your question is. Yeah, I mean, the thing to do is identify a product with a fairly rapid onset of action. You know, oftentimes the best way to start is with a tincture. So that a a tincture is just a oil that has the product suspended in the oil. And you can uh, look at the uh, package instructions and start low and titrate up, Uh, you know, the actual uh, serving size, we would say in the U.S., we might be able to use the word dosage in uh, Canada, just varies from person to person, the way that people Fail is by not giving themselves enough time to titrate. You take half a dropper full, don't get a response. Well, that didn't work. For a lot of people, especially when you have a, a low amount of product per dropper, then you, you may end up taking two or three dropperfuls before you see a, a really nice benefit. So you want to give yourself time to titrate that product. And I would take it, you know, a half an hour to an hour before you need it. So that you have enough time for it to interact with your system and help to really slow things down.
1: If you're able to get a good night's sleep in, are you taking it again the next night? Is this something that becomes a habitual use or is it something that you turn to when you're maybe looking at desperate measures that you really need a good night's sleep?
0: Well, I know a lot of people who use a small dose of CBD or a small combined CBD THC for sleep. A lot of people, when they try CBD and they don't get a great result for sleep, will often add a little bit of THC and find that that works really well to settle things down. Uh, there, there's certainly an upregulation in the CB receptors. You know, so as you take more, your body uh, creates more receptors and learns how to break the uh, the product down a little faster. So you may need to change your formulation or change the amount of product that you're using, but not by a massive amount. And if it's working, there's no reason why you can't take it every night. There's no evidence that there's changes to the sleep wave pattern or that it does any type of long-term disruption to the brain pattern or to the dream patterns, which is exciting because so many of our other medications that we use uh, that we refer to as hypnotics, you know, uh, the uh, Ambien or um, all of the benzodiazepines like Valium or Xanax, they all have quite a bit of addiction potential and they also tend to wear off over time. So it's exciting to have a product that doesn't.
1: And if I think of watching their commercials, there's uh, about a 30 second list of side effects that are possible when taking those drugs.
0: Oh, yeah. And I I do really love the side effect profile of CBD and THC in various formulations for my patients. I mean, I can also help to relieve inflammation and control pain and perhaps ratchet down some anxiety. And yeah, as opposed to all of the other crazy that you hear in that 30 second uh, blurb at the end of those
1: commercials. It's a scary blurb at the end of those commercials. You were mentioning pain relief. and, And this was something that I think was incredibly important. It's funny, my mom, who is very arthritic, and and sometimes I Mm. can just see the movement and the pain that she's in. And I I, I actually said to her, Mom, have you actually considered using some CBD? Uh, You know, I know some of your friends are starting to have that dialogue and that discussion. So where does the CBD come into play when we're talking about inflammation and pain, especially in the aging population?
0: Well, there's a lot of different places that you can have a positive impact. There's CB receptors dialed up in, in arthritic joints or in chronic painful areas, lower backs or pelvic pain. And there's also uh, uh, CB receptors that can impact the way the norepinephrine and serotonin travel to the brain. But part of the significant ongoing pain is, is sort of a potentiation in the in the brain itself where the not only the area that is painful is stimulated but all the neurons around it talk to each other and sort of create a broader surface area of pain so that when it travels back down the spinal cord it might not be I mean you've had this experience if you burn the tip of your finger your whole hand and maybe even your forearm feels a little tender and sensitive that's that exact process So if you're dealing with chronic low back pain or chronic uh, arthritis pain, it can it can be potentiated in the brain and lead to, you know, a much larger area being involved. And the the CBD can help to sort of quiet that communication within the brain and also reduce the, uh, the the pathways as the pain travels back down to be sensed, you know, the descending pathways in the same way. So it it has a nice effect at a number of levels.
1: Have you had patients that have fought you a little bit on this that said, you know what, Dr. Mary, I I understand this, but it's just not quite for me. I'm going to deal with this pain. And yet once you've actually said, just give this a try, that they've come back and said, what a difference it's made.
0: Yeah, I've had more beautiful success stories than I have had a lot of pushback and I'm not here to force anybody to do anything. I mean, if you if you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's it's not for everybody. Study after study shows Fifteen to twenty percent of people who give it a try don't like it. They feel lightheaded or dizzy. They don't like the stigma attached. They just don't want to do it. And I'm not here to help fifteen or twenty percent of people. I, I, you know, I want to help move the needle for the eighty percent that want to see if they can get benefit. And I'm amazed at how many times uh, during graduation uh, uh, holiday part graduation parties, holiday parties, somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, "I want you to come talk to my uncle." You know. He- He's been here in America. He's been crossing multiple state lines to bring the products that he wants back from Colorado. You know? So so I go talk to uh, the uncle and I would never have guessed that this man is uh, is, you know, transporting products uh, from long distances to relieve his pain. But he says,
1: I'm telling you, you know, it works. And I, I, I have so many wonderful stories like that it's almost that people are, are sometimes they get to a desperate measure, right? They've been in such chronic pain that at this point, they're like, why not try something that might be able to alleviate this?
0: Yeah, and I I feel uh, bad about that because I don't think we need to package this in a little space for people who are at the point of desperation. I mean, this is when you look at the other products that I'm suggesting that you try for pain in a Western medicine model. You're using Motrin and Motrin equivalents, which have issues with your kidneys, uh, problems with stomach upset and irritation, ulcer disease, gastritis. Uh, and then you have the opioids, which, as you know, we are in a terrible crisis in the United States dealing with uh, opioids. Once people are addicted, it's just virtually impossible to withdraw. And the, the heroin problem uh, from, uh, uh, from 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 you know the drug cartels is one thing but a lot of the opioid addiction has uh, is iatrogenic it was caused by the doctor you know so having a uh, so, so so having another mechanism to mm-hmm. control this that is not addictive and proven to be very safe, and you can't overdose on it. There's, there's no CB receptors in the brainstem. So uh, you literally can't shut down your heart or shut down your
1: breathing with these products. That's amazing. Can I ask, because I might be naive and I'm, I'm trying to understand this, does it change or shift if you've added THC into the mix? Oh, the THC stimulates the same CB
0: receptors as CBD. So it just has that psychoactive effect. So it has more of that effect in the central nervous system. And people with a lot of my patients with chronic pain will start with CBD and then start adding a little bit of THC. Sometimes people with severe pain add quite a bit of THC. And certainly when you're managing nausea or loss of appetite, especially with end of life or or with uh, HIV, you know, that's a great place to apply a lot of THC because that a lot of that a lot of nausea and appetite is controlled in the brain. So that psychoactive effect is very helpful. But it may have differing effects in cancer uh, prevention and controlling uh, cancers and cancer growth. So there's a number of places where a a little um, sprinkling of THC makes a big difference
1: the sprinkling I like that we're gonna just the little sprinkle we're just gonna sprinkle we'll, we'll sprinkle <laughs> it in but when you are a patient a cancer patient and you are at the point where you are in a battle right you're going through your treatments you've got radiations yes. or chemotherapies how does this treatment or how does adding this into the mix help what what would you be seeing from it well, the cancer has a whole bunch of interesting uh,
0: studies around it, and uh, most of it laboratory. Some of it in a human model, but most of it in the laboratory. It seems to affect the metalloproteinases, these these uh, enzymes that cancer cells will secrete to sort of melt the 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 tissue around it or the bone around it Uh, especially in bony metastases the metalloproteinases are really important to help that cancer cell get bigger or that cancer growth to get bigger and bigger in the bone so that's a very important place for it to work it also works in the ceramides uh, uh, and in in the ceramides are involved in the regulation of cell growth and it helps to bring the cell to a normal cell death cancer cells become immortal. They, they somehow fall out of the normal regulatory pathways and they, and they behave like they're never going to die. And so it, we try to move the cancer cell into a normal process of being alive and approaching a normal cell death. And that's something that the, uh, that the cannabinoids can do uh, by a couple of different means, but the ceramides is a big one. Another place that I love uh, seeing the application of cannabinoids in cancer is on the PGP pumps. These pumps are located on the cell membranes on every cell in your body, and it's their job to pump out toxins. So you know how people start with chemotherapy and then their cancer subsequently becomes resistant, and you wonder why that is. A large part of that is because the PGP pumps recognize that that toxic chemotherapy and as soon as it gets into the cell they pump it back out so then it doesn't get a chance to kill the cancer but for by some mechanism the cannabinoids make the PGP pumps sort of less responsive and the chemotherapy can stay in the cancer longer and kill the cell so there does appear at least in a laboratory
1: setting to have these really great effects when they're combined to try to make chemotherapy more powerful so it's almost becoming in some aspects, part of the treatment rather than just part of the remedy of of feeling better or pain relief in that there aspect.
0: are There are some studies, uh, especially combined with
1: doxorubicin, cisplatin, and uh, 5fu okay you've just funny, said three things name. that I have no idea that you <laughs> I'm just saying I didn't understand any of those three words you just said no
0: I, you know cancer chemotherapy drugs always have crazy names but but they're but it has been combined with uh, four or five different cancer chemotherapy agents uh, in the setting of multiple different types of cancer uh, to show some additional benefit and also to reduce the side effects of chemotherapy cisplatin and doxorubicin are very popular powerful chemotherapy agents, but they cause a lot of nerve damage for people and they can also damage their people's heart muscle. And, and, uh, studies have shown that using them in combination with cannabinoids actually reduces that risk of causing nerve damage or heart damage with those, with those drugs. There's a, there's a a nice uh, combination effect in, in a number of ways with using the products together. You just have to make sure that your oncologist knows because there are some drug-drug interactions. So if, he, if you are using cannabinoids during chemotherapy, your oncologist should know so uh,
1: they can make modifications to your doses on chemo. I would think at that point it's teamwork. It's teamwork yes. as, to, as to the medical protocol that you're going through, that you would be as open and honest because it, it is an aspect of the treatment and, and how they're, each of the drugs are battling each other.
0: And you have to find somebody that's comfortable having a conversation around these drugs, you know, or around these formulations. The, um, you know, the studies show repeatedly that 30 percent of doctors are, are comfortable making a suggestion. Uh, but and 60 percent think it may work, but only 30 percent want to make a suggestion and over half don't want to have a conversation about it. <laughs> they, they, they want somebody else who
1: has some expertise to come in and help. Okay. Is it that they don't want to have the conversation because they don't feel as educated as they should be about the topic or because they're not providing support for it? Or why why is that number so high with the doctors that aren't having the conversation?
0: I think it's a. I think it's a lot of things. I think it's because they may not know a lot of the research around it. I certainly didn't until I started to uh, develop this website, and all. Uh, and also because you know that we don't have a lot of control, or you may not perceive yourself as having as much control over handling this. You know, if what I, one thing I love about managing anxiety with cannabinoids is that we can land on a formulation that works for a patient. Some people really are super anxious on Sunday and Monday. Most people, you know, most of us don't like our jobs and Sunday and Mondays are so hard. But then Thursdays and Fridays are quite a bit better. But in a Western medicine model, I give you the same dose of medicine every single day. But if you're managing these, these issues with uh, the with cannabinoid formulations and you feel good, you take a lower dose or you take none at all. But on another day, you can take a higher dose. That's not something that Western medicine really generally does <laughs> with pain or anxiety or sleep or a lot of the other uh, conditions that are commonly managed with cannabinoids.
1: This is fascinating for me. All right. Do you mind if I keep going down the list? Because there's so many things that I, that I really want to talk to. And when I, I think when people are listening, they're thinking more of adults. And yet when you're yes. looking at children, what is the viewpoint there? Because in there you have a lot of cases of ADD, ADHD, and usually we associate that with children in the formative years and the learning years. How is it being used there?
0: There's now five very well done randomized controlled trials in seizure disorder for children and young adults and a lot of them are done in these children who have very terrible seizure disorders where they may be having a seizure once or twice a day and so many of them so disabled that in fact the the study participants the documents are filled out over half the time by a care provider rather than by the patient because these people are very, very disabled. So you have to think of these uh, little ones that are approaching using cannabinoids uh, as, as, as a pretty disabled crowd that are really looking for help, uh, very remarkable improvements in seizures, cutting the number of seizures in half in these populations, uh, approaching them with pretty high dose CBD. But there's also some research on using uh, CBD products in uh, autism uh, to help children uh, uh, dress themselves more effectively and have uh, less self-injurious behavior. Um, Small trials, 158 kids, 210 kids, mostly coming out of Israel, but very promising early studies to suggest that uh, autism, there may be a position for these products in autism too.
1: Wow. The, yeah, the ADHD Is it dangerous? Is- okay, uh, so I'm sorry, I'm keeping back. But is it dangerous to be able to start? putting this into the system at, at a younger age? At a young age. I know the, um, you know, every every uh,
0: academy here in the United States has, has shut that door pretty firmly. The um, OBGYN teams, the uh, neurologists, uh, except the American Academy of Pediatrics they put a crack in the door and they said, if you have a disease that is severe and poorly controlled on current therapy there may be you know, a position to consider some of these alternative medicines is, you know, you there There may be some changes to the way that that young brain is developing. You know, the, the, we're, we're not certain that there is because we, we're never going to have a trial of 20,000 12-year-olds and we put half of them, start them smoking on cannabinoids and leave the other half alone and then see what happens. I think we so, appreciate you know, that. Yes. <laughs> There's always going to be, you know, uh, some question of who decided to start smoking cannabinoids at 12 and who didn't. And, you know, and it's always going to come up against uh, social factors and environmental factors in those cases. But a lot of these kids who are sick and are, and are chronically limited in their function uh, and are looking to add cannabinoids are already on multiple drugs that are probably also changing their brain chemistry. So so when you, when you use it in, in little ones, you have to make sure that you have a care provider who's on board. Everybody has to have the poison control numbers. You have to have a provider who is ready to, uh, to work with them and communicate with them regularly. And, and they have to be aware of the legalities in their particular uh, area of the world.
1: You mentioned in that conversation uh, seizures, epilepsy. Uh, I know that I saw an amazing video with a gentleman that had Parkinson's and to see the tremors uh, just within minutes of taking CBD, a much calmer individual, someone who the tremors were so bad that they really couldn't sit still or do anything. And then a couple of minutes later, I'm watching them being able to to feed themselves. It seems like that's one of the leading places with Parkinson's epilepsy maybe from the research that i've done that seem to be making yes. massive strides
0: all the movement disorders, I mean, I, if, anybody, uh, if anybody's ever heard of somebody uh, using cannabinoids and then just being stuck in place, being stuck on the couch or just not, really not wanting to move and just wanting to sit and chill, that, that has very powerful impacts in all kinds of movement disorders, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, uh, but also ADHD, you know, because uh, part of the problem with ADHD is attention and part of it is hyperactivity. These uh, medications, when you uh, study them under PET scannings, the, the scans that light up the brain, these uh, formulations actually light up the brain in the same way as uh, Adderall. Uh, or the, the other stimulants that we use for ADHD. So they help a little person who's having trouble with being able to sit still to sit still, apparently on par with the current medications that we're using. And it may help to still a tremor. There, the, the studies around Parkinson's are, are mixed And I don't feel confident telling you that everybody with Parkinson's Mm -hmm. is going to get improvement in their tremor. Um, There's there's good research around the muscle spasm and some of the tremors associated with multiple sclerosis, but it does very much reduce the anxiety and insomnia of Parkinson's. And even in studies where there isn't a clear improvement in the tremor, where where if they actually measure the number of times a person is having that uh, classic Parkinson's tremor before and after treatment they the patient still says that they feel better and they're having less tremor so the the anxiety control seems to make a
1: big difference mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily that the body has stopped with the tremors the body is still going through the activity of the tremor and yet they feel a little a dif- they feel different a sense of a um, more calm maybe as the tremors are occurring there's
0: a lot of anxiety with Parkinson's. And there's also a really significant sleep disorder where Parkinson's patients will have these uh, middle of the night, very violent, uh, large muscle group jerks where they'll throw an arm or do a big kick in the midst of a, of, a, of a very unsettling dream, like they're fighting off an animal or they're in a fist fight, like these very violent dreams. And, uh, and those dreams awaken the patient and unfortunately, uh, frequently injure the bed part. So getting those dreams under control and putting people through a very nice night's sleep does so much for their relationship, but also for their disease where they don't have to feel so strung out all the time.
1: A lot of the guests that I've had on the podcast in the last little bit have been holistic uh, nutritionists, doctors looking back at uh, Ayurvedic medicine, and a lot of it comes back to the gut and to gut health. And And realizing, you know, that the gut and the brain, you know, are very much combined. So how can I bring the gut health into this and and an aspect of where this comes into play with CBD?
0: Uh, Just one more big word. Um, Ackermansia mucinophilia. Okay. (laughs) Wait, try saying that fast. Say that again. Ackermansia mucinophilia. No wonder you're an
1: encyclopedia. (laughs) Like seriously. Okay. And you're saying all of this off the top of your head, which is crazy.
0: It's a, it's a bacteria in the gut that, uh, that creates mucus that protects the lining of the gut. It's very important for the gut to have at least a little mucus to protect itself from the stuff that's flowing through the gut, and the acromantia mucinophilia makes that mucus but it also appears to control metabolism and it has it has an effect on the microbiome we think that that is the particular part of the microbiome that's affected by cannabinoids to help manage uh, metabolism and to also uh, help control the uh, inflammation and and control the gut microbiome there's a it's so interesting that even though a THC especially has been linked to the munchies and your people are supposed to have no control over their appetite, it, it turns out that people who chronically use cannabinoids over their lifetime don't gain weight. Their BMIs stay more at their high school range quite frequently. So trying to figure out why that's happening has been a puzzle for uh, weight loss experts. And it may be this particular bacteria that's stimulated in the gut that has effects on fat metabolism. All very early preliminary research, but the CB uh, receptors in the gut uh, there's line, CB receptors in the lining of the gut to control inflammation and Crohn's and IBS and IBD. And there's um, also uh, receptors on the smooth muscle of the gut that help to control transit times to help manage if people have chronic diarrhea. So there's really a lot of nice, positive results to using cannabinoids uh, in, in the gut.
1: Yeah, I was, I was wondering how that had the, the correlation between the two. And so understanding that there's something within the gut lining that has the reactors to it. Because so much is, is understanding with gut health, how much is involved in, in the inflammation and how it does affect and starts to have the trickle effect into so many other diseases that we're seeing.
0: Oh, it's the whole story, I think. The chronic constipation, they think, stimulates the vagus nerve to talk to the brain, and then the brain says, get moving. And then all this excess motility, uh, you know, pathways are being stimulated, and they think that that's Parkinson's. When you go back through your Parkinson's patients, they're frequently chronically constipated on, you know, terrible low fiber diets. And if you can make some corrections to the tone of the gut, you know, just with changing the diet, you can make a, a, a nice impact on their Parkinson's disease
1: frequently. But you don't use this as a preventative measure. Would it be like you that? Need- considering using the cannabinoids for um, for to improve to, to prevent right well if you if you're dealing with IBS right and, and sometimes it just gets lumped together, right I, I hear from a lot of people that they can't really quite diagnose what exactly is going on in the gut. It's just that something is yes. off and then eventually it could lead into other disease later down the road. So would anyone consider using this as a preventative tool for health?
0: Oh, I think it would be very reasonable to put this in your cabinet right next to your probiotics and the other vitamins you take. I mean, especially with upcoming cold and flu season, because a lot of what makes you sick when you get sick with a virus is uh, is all of the, the cytokines, the interleukin and tumor necrosis factor, all the fever and the body aches and the loss of appetite is all the way that your immune system is responding to the virus. It's, and so you could still get a viral infection, but, uh, but there's some very exciting mouse data that if you pre-treat with CBD, you can actually reduce the response to the virus, in some cases by up to 87%. So you and your neighbor may get the same virus, but if you're pretreated treated with CBD, you may still be able to go back and forth to work and cook your dinner, and the neighbor may be, you know, stuck in bed for three days. It's, uh, it's fascinating. So definitely some modulation to the immune system, that maintenance of homeostasis. That's what these uh, formulations are all about.
1: Are you all about the science? Because right now you've listed off studies. You've listed off a, a number of different words that I can't understand. <laughs> is it important to have the science? You know, when you have these studies or you see the reactions or you see the chemicals, like that is really what we are finding. And when I look on your website, the, the amount of research and data that you have for every ailment, for every topic is there.
0: It's important to me that if you are dealing with something and, you have, and you're and you dealing with the fear around this, if you're worried about legality or social stigma or safety or or you're, you're just worried that you could hurt yourself taking these products, I want to make sure that you, that you know that they're safe and they're effective. And the best way to know that is to know the research, to know what's been done and who's tried it and what their outcomes have been. Uh, you know, there's still more video to shoot. Um, I really haven't shot enough video around certain topics. And of course, if anybody goes to my site and they don't have the video they want, uh, any message that you put on the site comes straight, to my email. So if you need a video, I'll shoot a video. uh,
1: If you don't see it there. Okay, because you were trying to post or in the midst of doing a video a day for a year. Okay, that's insane.
0: It is kind of insane, but it's actually been a blast. I've been really busy. I put it a bit on hold because I've created a provider certification series for people who want to be able to help other people use, uh, use the cannabinoids. And that provider series has, instead of, you know five, three minute videos on cancer, like we have on the site, there's 50 minutes of cancer video. So it goes into a much higher depth, because that's what you would want if you were going to certify. And, um, and, and that's, uh, th- that'll build a really beautiful community of healers all over the world.
1: So it's a community, it's a library, it's a daily interaction. So it's almost like every day, there's something new that's being exposed or coming out and it could be under any of the different topics that you're interested in?
0: Well, I mean, you know, there's, there is, there's always something new coming out. I mean, so recently all the information on vaping, there's a lot of data on how to, on on exactly what's happening around that, that I'm compiling now. So it is, it's exciting and fun to work in, in such a dynamic field.
1: Can I be honest? The vaping now, terrifies me. The research that's been out, the uh, hospitalization, the healthy people who are taking it and then finding themselves in intensive care. I I mean, listen, it's made our headlines here in Canada, and I'm assuming that we're seeing similar issues. So what do we need to understand? I hope you don't mind that I'm putting you on the spot with this, but... For me to be able to, to the vaping or to be able to cook with CBD seem two very different areas that I would be interested in. If you want to tell me to put some oil on top of my salad, I'm all for it. But if you're telling me to try to go vape and I'm starting to see research now that's affecting our lungs and the humidity, it's a very different mindset.
0: Yeah. The vaping is very interesting there. I mean, there, and there's, but what did it, I wondered, I was skeptical because a lot of times we're advised when I'm working in the hospital where quote unquote advised to, uh, or or it's suggested that we would uh, put a potential diagnosis on a chart because, you know, if the, uh, if we miss the patient appearing very, uh, appearing as sick as they actually are, then it can change our mortality scores. It changes our reimbursement. So I was, I was just wondering what was going on with this, all of a sudden, this massive amount of people going through this. And, uh, but, um, but, but there's been data accumulating, uh, you know, for five or six years, at least good data surrounding what's going on with vaping, it, it, it looks like a process we refer to, we refer to as boop which is a more big words, bronchiolitis obliterans organizing pneumonia. So it just looks like a bunch of pneumonia all over both lungs, you know, not like a typical pneumonia where somebody gets it from the flu and they'll have like one part of one lung involved. This is all over both lungs. And then it, it, uh, it's, it's very difficult to recover from. And what we think is happening, and I, I don't know that we can figure out what the culprit is. There's vitamin E oil in these, Uh, vape pens, but there's also a polyethylene glycol and, uh, glycerin and, and all of those when they combust, uh, can turn into aldehydes, which have quite a bit of inflammation. They change the way that the, um, that that the cells in the uh, lungs are able to recover. So, you know, the problem with the vaping is that kids are vaping so intensely. And the other problem is the flavorings. You know, the flavorings also, different ones have already have a very clear association with lung disease in occupational settings. And then when somebody, you know, hits on a certain flavor, they do, uh, you know, then they're taking a high concentration of these flavorings uh, over days, to weeks to months, and it could just throw things off. And unfortunately, I and I I, I don't have this uh, information totally compiled, so forgive me. But there was one uh, flavoring that was particularly implicated, so they took that off the market, and then uh, and then everybody started using more mint and menthol, which actually has. A worse profile for the flavorings causing lung injury. So yeah, it's hard for me to put a positive spin on this vaping situation. I think, uh, and and it's funny because I have a vegan background and I believe in the power of whole foods. I I believe in the power of an apple over a, a vitamin C tablet and a Twinkie any day. <laughs> Any day, so uh, so the same thing I think is true of, of uh, cannabinoids that ingesting them in their whole form, uh, you know, and avoiding a lot of uh, of mucky muck, a lot of mm. fooling around with it is is probably the best thing to do. Unless you're, you know, dealing with like Crohn's disease and and you've got a a painful gut with, you know, bloody bowel movements and you're really suffering, then we should work to try to find the most anti-inflammatory product and distill it off and see if it works. But for the majority of us that are just trying to manage, you know, some fairly common diseases, I think a whole bud product is such Mm. a nice
1: choice. The whole bud. Okay. Can I go to yeah. the cooking? Can I go to the oils? Can I go to how we cook with this? Because I know that's something that you have in the works is this cookbook, right? Yes, yeah. I have a cookbook. I'll okay. make sure and share it with your audience. We'll make sure and give them a link. Okay. I love that idea. Is this, am I thinking that I have a little bit of a CBD oil mixed in with my salad dressing and off I we think go? That's a great idea. Or how how are we cooking with it? Because that seems to be a much more easier way to digest the fact that you're going to put some of this into the system. For some of us who have grown up with the stigma of it being bad, that these, Mm -hmm. these are like the baby steps for people to get in.
0: I like putting it in a smoothie. Uh, And, and I also, but I mean, I also worry these products are expensive and I don't want you to leave any on the side of the blender or, so a lot of times a drizzle on top of a salad or a drizzle on top of avocado toast or on top of a pasta is going to allow you to really track and make sure you're getting all of it, you know, when you take it rather than have some of it get uh, stuck in the mix. But um, I've had some fun exploring this at cooking parties where we cooked, you know, uh, chicken and vegetables. In some of the uh, uh, in some CBD infused oil, really nice results. So it goes back to all of these edibles and it does seem a little bit nicer and friendlier if it's in a gummy bear or, or mixed in with some honey as opposed to being you know, taken in a vape or, or used in a pipe. So I can see why uh, those, those products are still desirable. You're just changing the onset of action. But if you know what your dose is and y- you, know, you know that it's going to come on in 60 to 90 minutes, you could put it in with dinner and go to bed. Yeah, you know, at ninety minutes after dinner like a lot of people do.
1: Or else you're not telling your dinner guest exactly what kind of dressing has been thrown into the salad and see how, <laughs> how the dinner party ends up a couple of hours later. And and it goes beyond kind of putting it in your brownies. You know that? Oh yeah. This is Oh a, yeah.
0: Okay. So- there's tons of brownie cookbooks, and if you want one, you can find one. I didn't. I didn't write a brownie cookbook because there's tons of brownie cookbooks. But you know, I have a I have a 12 year old dog that you also met who uh, who has a lot of anxiety and a lot of problems, and I had a hard time finding a chew that he would like. And he doesn't have any teeth; he's an old man. So uh, so I have a doggy cookbook, so you can make your dog some chews that are really delicious that he'll love and help him to relax. Uh, or she, you know, it's it's uh, gender fluid around here, <laughs> and, uh, and the same. And and then you can do the smoothie cookbook, or you could do regular food too.
1: So the smoothies—that was one of the ways that you suggest people to be able to consume. Yeah, it.
0: I feel like you can hide so many yummy, healthy things in a smoothie. So it's a it's a great place to put it. And a lot of smoothies have a little green finish. Sometimes these uh, dropperfuls of. Uh, of uh, tincture will have, they taste a pretty green. They have a little bitter finish. So it fits into a smoothie just fine and hides behind all the fruit flavors really well. So if that taste is off-putting to you, adding it to your smoothie is
1: a really good way to bring it into your life. You did mention the cost though. You said, I don't want things to get lost in the mix. So what are we looking at? What would be a general cost?
0: Well, I mean, I've using seen these products, products like Three hundred dollars a jar, and I, I can't see the point in that. But I don't think it's unusual if you're getting a high quality product to spend, you know, sixty and probably closer to one hundred dollars for for a jar. You want to look for something. I mean, your your values and my values are different, but uh, you know, in terms of uh, if it's been sourced properly, if it's organic, if the workers were paid well, you know, if it was grown in your country, a lot of people, some people don't care and other people do. but the thing you should definitely make sure your company is doing is third-party testing so that you can uh, so that you can know for sure that the amount that's on the label is actually in the bottle. Uh, a, a study published in JAMA looked at 80 bottles thereabouts of CBD and found only 25% to be properly labeled. So a lot a lot with less than they say and a few with more, and than then, then they say on the label. So you want to make
1: sure you're buying from a person that you trust. Okay, that's, that's the question is we here in Canada, we've started to see a number of different companies and producers here and you, we've see their uh, factories in the labs, we see these production lines, you know, so we kind of get a sense of, of knowing exactly how it's being manufactured and made, grown and packaged. So... Where does one go to find that proper information as to the products where they land, where they've been um approved? Is well, there a, I, is there a sense I like of knowing that? Products. I like products
0: that have a high level of transparency, so I feel like I should be able to go to the website. There's uh, some products here in the U.S. that have QR codes right on the product, so you can scan the code and learn, you know, but QR codes have fallen a bit out of favor, and not everybody has a QR scanner, but they should tell you that they're batch testing every batch, and they should back that up with you being able to see the third-party testing, and uh, and then that just assures that you're getting what they they tell you that you're getting in in each batch and i always love talking to a cbd company that said we just had a batch that had a little too much or a little too little and we had to throw it out you know there's there there is going to be as we evolve here some voluntary recalls some waste as we as we figure out what's going to work and i think canada i mean bravo canada for a, all of the uh, the legalization. I mean, at this point, that really is the only thing that we should be thinking about doing in the United States is making it safe to uh, study and, uh, and safe to take and start really uh, uh, monitoring the manufacturing and the production so that we don't have people using black market products. It's crazy that people still are. But even here in New York, we have... Um, a very brisk black market, even though we have a good medical, um, medical program because the medical program doesn't have any flour. It's, it's all hard pressed tablets or tinctures. And so people don't, people don't like the, and it's very expensive. So people are still getting the most of their products from the black market rather than from the, uh, from the, the, um, you know, primary market.
1: You've done a lot of research, though. And I know you've looked into a number of companies. And I know because the companies are aware that you're doing so much research and and have this website and and so much information. Do you appreciate that, that you have had access and, and that you can say these ones are working and these aren't?
0: Oh yes, I think that I have. I mean, I don't think I have an exhaustive list. I haven't really uh, turned my attention to that, but but I know you know companies that are working well and uh, and and companies that I worry about. I mean, a lot of people are trying to do very good work, but uh, some people are differentiating themselves just based on their packaging, and I don't know that. You know, we need another CBD company with a, uh, you know, with a different cannabis leaf on the front of the on the front of the bottle. So finding a few that work really well with very high integrity production is, uh, is yeah, is something I've definitely done. In case people uh, want a recommendation, but I might have some trouble with uh, with your uh, community because of your uh, because of Canadian. But I do know some nice infused uh, edibles uh, that are all made in Canada. So, if yeah, anybody can always reach out anytime and
1: ask. But it's going to be different for someone who's my size, you know, you know, uh, does age and size and gender and weight they, they had all of that has to come into play that I can't be purchasing the same product as a, a gentleman who weighs two hundred and fifty pounds. Well, you could purchase the same
0: product, but you might take a half a dropper full and he might take two dropper fulls. You know, and there, there's all of that. Plus, there's also genetic differences in the number of CB receptors you have in your body. And there's another, um, sorry. A fat, fatty acid amine hydroxylase, an enzyme FAAH that your body uh, makes at varying levels. But it's a, it, it breaks down fatty acids. So if you have a high level of FAAH in, in your tissues, then the product doesn't linger as long in your body. But if somebody has a lower
1: level, they may have a longer uh, uh, action. Right, but are we going and getting blood work done to figure this out? I mean, how does one even know how their system reacts or works like that
0: or how you know, our receptors I think, are? I think it's trial and error. There's some apps that you can use, but the other thing you can do is just set an alarm on your phone for 20 minutes later and 40 minutes later. Take a dose. Uh, and then, or or serving size, if you're in the U.S. <laughs> and then, uh, and then just wait. And and when your alarm dings, write down how you feel. You know, uh, write down your product, write down how you feel. And then that's a really like inexpensive. You don't have to download anything. Uh, a way to see if it's working for you. And then if it if it worked too effectively, you know, you can back up. If it didn't work, you can just uh, go up another half dropper full until you get to a place where you're feeling good.
1: Okay. There's a fear that I have in in self dosage, right? You're, you're, you're self moderating yourself. Is that fair to do? Do you want to be able to have this discussion with someone that you think you're, you know, feeling good at the 20 or 40 minute mark is actually different than maybe what you should be like? We're self moderating at this point. And it might be different on different
0: days, or based on what you're eating, and you know if, if you're taking it on a full stomach or an empty stomach, or with alcohol or without. All those all those things are going to impact. But um, yeah, there it is a lot of doing it on your own, and some people don't want to do that. So in that case, you know, having a, a, somebody who's certified and who knows the research uh, around how to use uh, the cannabinoids could uh, could help you walk through it. and and be available, you know, by text or by weekly meetings or however you want to set it up so that you've got uh, some high-quality
1: support. Mm. Okay, and very, very briefly, if you don't mind, because I just looked at the clock and we're already at the hour mark. I have now seen it extend into um, beverages. I have seen it extending into our beauty care, beauty lines, skin care, everything. Is this hype? Is it you know, real? Is it, can I use a face cream with a little bit of a CBD in it and I'm going to look younger? Like how far is this going to extend into all the products that we're consuming?
0: Well, the, the face cream I'm particularly excited about. There's uh, there's some nice research around skin, especially because I've had terrible, I was born with terrible skin. So my skin has been difficult to handle my whole life. So I, the CBD products are exciting there. Um, okay,
1: and why? Yeah, I mean, Why is it exciting there? What is it doing? It seems to
0: stimulate sebaceous gland uh, secretion so it, so quickly for for us women who are not getting any younger. It helps to create more moisture on the skin and reduce the evidence of fine lines. So uh, and it and it also seems to reduce inflammation just like it does everywhere else. So psoriasis, eczema, you know, chronic acne, the the all the redness that you get from rosacea. It is all inflammation. You know, it's all inflammation. <laughs> so many conditions, a lot of cancer, and uh, a, a lot of a lot of chronic medical conditions go back to inflammation. So whenever you can, that would be the way I guess I would finish since we're short on time, that the a lot of a lot, uh, controlling the inflammation is is a cornerstone
1: here. That that hits pretty deep, actually, you know, when you're saying, it's hitting all of these places because all of these root causes is based on inflammation that there's it it does it comes full circle
0: yes yeah it does and that's what makes it make sense it isn't for everybody it isn't for everything but that's why when you say is there research on this well it turns out there is you know because uh you're managing the the psychological response to disease and managing the inflammation is is a huge part of of all diseases
1: who are you seeing right now? as your biggest audience? Uh, you know, I'm so surprised that it's the
0: 40 to 70 year old crowd. Just a, a, a really amazing crowd of uh, energetic people that are that are working really hard in their families, working really hard at their at their jobs, or they're winding down and they're starting to deal with some chronic diseases that are having pain or muscle issues. And and uh, those are those are all nice populations to help. With these formulations.
1: Mm-hmm. They're educated. They're asking the right questions. They're figuring out how to best manage their own health. They're just
0: people that, that, that are, are, are reaching for something so that they
1: feel better. Okay. Really, uh, a, a variety. Are we that desperate, though, that people are in such crisis of feeling better, of feeling mentally better, physically better that we're searching for, for an answer right now, just so that we can thrive more so than we're doing? Well, I think
0: we're at that level of crisis here in the United States. I think if you ever wanted to design a culture where everybody is uh, sick and anxious and depressed and hopeless, this is the place to live right now. You know, it's, it's just our, 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 uh, our, our whole all of our entertainment are nobody moves. We all just jump in our car in our garage and drive right to the front door of our businesses. Nobody exercises, our diets are hugely processed. So it, it's hard to feel good. And then any of the medications you take are, are riddled with so many side effects and the fear around that has has accelerated so much with the opioid crisis. So all of a sudden it makes a, you know a little cannabinoids look, like a pretty simple thing to add
1: <laughs> this <laughs> really. nice little bud that smells really good as it grows in the forest
0: right or in a right. laboratory With, surrounded by
1: bunnies and little birds and foxes yeah. and, and, and rainbows and unicorns <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right. okay so you've got a ton of information so cbd and cannabisinfo.com is the website yes, updated yep. every day new videos new information that's a massive mm-hmm. en- endeavor in itself but that's the best place it's, people can go. Yes,
0: that's the place to go. And message me if you need. I'm coming out with uh, new stuff all the time. But there's always a hole that needs to be uh, that needs to be filled.
1: And on that on that website, are there links? Are there products? Are there things that you suggest, or that would allow people to have better information, or where you want them direct them to go? a few
0: a few I've been I've been a little resistant to that I'm going to try to release that resistance and be a little bit more open about making recommendations
1: well there's yeah. a ton of information there I, I went on the website and it's it's like you're you're caught you're scrolling and there's like blogs and there's rest there's <laughs> absolutely everything that's there so congratulations on that and I think at being the front runner I think of people knowing if they're looking for information especially in the United States that is that is the website that is where people are going
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I'm just, just love my product, and i and I, I love making it better and better all the time.
1: Well, people need the information, and I think, as you mentioned, when you've got a, a mass audience between the ages of forty and seventy years old uh, educated, they're looking for answers and they're looking for more information and you've got the place for people to go. So once again, it's CBD and cannabisinfo.com. Dr. Mary, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. I really appreciate it. And we probably should mention that for everyone that's actually coming on the wellness cruise in a couple of weeks, you're actually going to be on board. So I have a feeling, especially since that's the demographic (laughs) that you just (laughs) mentioned, there'll be a lot of people asking you questions on that wellness cruise.
0: I cannot wait for that wellness cruise. And then right after that, I'm going on. So in Kenya.
1: Yes. Do you want to let people know who you're going with?
0: Uh, well, I guess I was just going to let you know, Leanne, but I got invited to go with uh, uh, Richard Branson's team in uh, at his Kenyan estate. So that's going to be so thrilling. I think so
1: thrilling. I know, but I, I think it adds that credibility of these people and individuals who are going beyond and who are educating and who are opening up a world to people and when you put yourself in a group with with the type of people that you're going on the safari with there's a reason why you have been a leader in this industry right now with the research and information you're putting out congratulations on that that's pretty big
0: oh thank you i feel very honored to be included in that crowd for Mm -hmm.
1: sure Well, I can't wait to hear more stories about it. I can't wait to see you on the cruise, and I really hope people when have all these questions and are looking for answers that they check out the website. Dr. Mary, thank you so much. I'll have all the links. I'll have all the information for people as well. Thank you. Oh, and I could tell you we're in New York. We could hear the sirens. We could hear the fire trucks. We could hear everything going on. Welcome (sighs) Uh, to New York.
0: Yes, (laughs) it's a noisy place. Thank Don't you. want to be
1: anywhere else. No, you wouldn't. It's, a, it's, a, it's Everything's out of there. Thank you so much once again and uh, all the information listed. And uh, for all the listeners, thanks for listening once again to Living Your Life with Leanne Life. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier,
0: healthier, and more stress-free life.